Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Kirsten Yale, the Research Manager at ADCES. In today's episode, I'm talking about the value of team-based care with Mandy Reese, a diabetes care and education specialist from Georgia. She's sharing her insights on how this model of team-based care yields positive outcomes for people with diabetes and the community. You're sure to walk away with a better understanding of the nuances of team-based care in different practice settings and identify partners in case team-based care is missing from your practice. Enjoy. Mandy, welcome to the huddle. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Well, we are excited to have you, and I can't imagine a better person to be here to talk about team-based care than you, especially considering all the conversations we've had in the past, and especially over the past couple months about this as we talk about population health and the impact of value-based and team-based care on population health. You know, you have a really incredible background coming from both population health and a clinical background. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about that? Sure. My story in working with persons with diabetes began back in 2002. I was working with a lady named Angela. I was her diabetes coach as part of a larger project I was managing. And Angela, it was just an incredible journey to walk with Angela, to encourage her, to be a coach, a mentor, a supporter for her. And after that experience, I went on to work in several different settings, including in public health, as well as um, at a university And then most recently, working as a core faculty and clinic member in a family medicine clinic. And I felt so blessed through these experiences and learned so much. I decided a couple of years ago to create a blog called Reese's Pieces in a Diabetes World. Through this blog, I provide practical information about medications for folks living with diabetes and their caregivers, and really look at this as a way to give back. Typically, I'll produce one blog per month and do a couple of daily late-breaking information or practical tips about medication twice a week. So it's a great way to give back. It's very rewarding experience. I love your blog. You know that. We've talked about that. But I especially love it because when I read, you know, some of your entries, you you really take tough topics and you translate them in a tangible way for people with diabetes, you know, almost like you're walking with Angela again as her coach. This new post that I just read, the coverage for medications and removing barriers and thinking about financial barriers, you know, it reminded me about the power of team-based care. Can you talk a little bit about what 
team-based care is and why we need it? Sure, I would love to. And I think the best way to start off in talking about team-based care is to start off with a story. Uh, Within the last year, I had the opportunity to work with a gentleman who was grieving the loss of his wife, who was having difficulty in affording his diabetes medications and difficulty with motivation in managing his health. And so myself, a nurse practitioner, a nurse, the three of us worked together with this patient to get in his shoes, to really understand his experience, to remove the barriers. He actually qualified for patient assistance to get him the medications that he needed, as well as to work with him in terms of motivation and that grieving process that he was going through at the time. Currently in the clinic that I'm in, it's all about teamwork. And without that, we have nothing. So in the clinic, we have a behavioral health specialist who really looks at sort of the why in managing health and helping people overcome the challenges. We have our nurses who are integral to coordinating details of care, making sure that patients get the tests they need, make sure they get the results back. And then we have our physicians and nurse practitioners who are managing the overall care of each patient and what they need, what each patient needs. So it sounds like you guys have been practicing this for a little while in your health system. What kind of positive outcomes have you seen? Well, in the particular health system that I'm now working with, there is a big emphasis on quality care. There's a quality improvement committee that looks at care gaps to make sure that patients don't go without, but also that we're achieving the best outcomes. And so we look at care gaps. So where are we falling short in terms of what the payor is experiencing as well as the patient experience? So we're seeing reductions in hemoglobin A1Cs, reductions in cost. Um, as well as working at improving blood pressure control, reaching the target, and making sure patients are setting goals, that they have the support, the social support that they need in place, having social workers on the team to address those needs. And also providing patients in real-time access to their charts so they can see their lab results, they can communicate with all members of the healthcare team via an electronic medical record, an online portal to communicate with their providers, as well as collaboration with the larger community as a whole with other clinics in the community that they've integrated to form a local accountable care organization. It's interesting when I hear you talking about motivating the patient and talking about clinical outcomes, and I start thinking about the team, it takes the team that's put together to manage this, you know, you have an individual and then you have a team. Is there a template for a team? I mean, I can't imagine, you know, people aren't cookie cutter. I can't imagine a team would be cookie cutter, but how do we create the right team for each individual? Sure. You know, it depends on the various settings. So whether we're talking about the outpatient setting, whether we're talking about federally qualified healthcare systems, whether it's the inpatient setting, whether it's endocrinology office. So when we're looking at each of those, so you have various members on the team. And it's also important to think in terms of, is it an urban center? Is it in the city? Or is it in a rural area? Because if it's in a rural area, 
a lot of times you're using telemedicine for the patients or different members of the team that are providing that care in the various roles. So you're always going to have your provider, whether that's a physician, a nurse practitioner, a physician assistant, you're going to have a nurse. Uh, Many times you'll have a social worker involved, particularly on the inpatient setting. And then a lot of times on the inpatient setting, you're also potentially going to have respiratory therapists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, pharmacists, behavioral health specialists. And in terms of the difference between the inpatient and the outpatient setting, the physical location of the actual member of the healthcare team can vary. So in the inpatient setting, the physical therapist or the occupational therapist will be there in the hospital. But once the patient's discharged, they go home, they're seeing their provider, their team members, their physician, uh, nurse practitioner, PA, nurse may be in one location, but this behavioral health specialist may be in a different location, the physical therapist, occupational therapist in a different location in the community. Although they're physically at different places, they're working together as a team. And a lot of that depends on electronic communication. And I don't want to forget in this mix is the diabetes care and education specialist, which could be a physician, could be a nurse, it could be a dietitian, a psychologist, a behavioral health specialist, physical therapist, a psychologist, numerous different primary professions of folks who could be diabetes care and education specialists. But on that team, is there usually the one person that the person with diabetes goes to to say, okay, you're my diabetes care and education specialist. You're my point person who's going to help me manage all of this? You know, it's going to look different depending on the setting in terms of who the diabetes care and education specialist is. If you look at the largest percentage of folks, their primary discipline who are diabetes care and education specialists would be nurses and dietitians. That's your largest percentage. But there are pharmacists out there. There are psychologists. There's behavioral health specialists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, numerous other folks who also are diabetes care and education specialists. So it's really going to look different depending on the setting, although the largest percentage tends to be nurses and dietitians. You just mentioned telemedicine. And it's not anything we've delved into in our conversations more recently, but how does team-based care optimize telemedicine? I guess I should say, can it optimize it? And if so, how does it optimize it? Yes. And there's certain geographic areas that in particular benefit from team-based care via telemedicine. And that's going to be your very rural areas that folks, they have to drive two hours, three hours to get to a healthcare professional. So rural areas in Montana, Wyoming, Utah, even here in Georgia. And for that, oftentimes you would have the nurse with the patient there in the clinic setting. Sometimes the pharmacist may be there and the physician could be in a different location, different geographic location, two or three hours away and they are communicating electronically, seeing each other on the screen. And oftentimes the equipment that the nurse will use during that visit, that data is transmitted to the physician so the physician can see that in real time. And then also if 
the person with diabetes needs to see a diabetes care and education specialist who happens to be a pharmacist or dietitian. The patient could be there in the clinic and then the dietitian or the pharmacist is in a remote location, but they're communicating with each other via interfacing on the computer. I mean, it's really neat to hear like people that in rural areas that may never have had access to team-based care with telemedicine do have access to this. How does this work with, you know, working across health systems? You know, if you can say like somebody in a rural area, essentially you're building new teams every day. The diabetes care and education specialist is building new teams every day around the individual. Do I have that right? You do. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. You know, it almost sounds like futuristic medicine to me. Yeah, there's a few folks out there that have done quite a bit of work in telemedicine, and we're even beginning to really teach this telemedicine experiences within various health profession schools and programs so that when the students graduate, they have experience with telemedicine via simulation. That's fantastic. I want to switch directions here a little bit. I love team-based care. I love the value we're hearing. I love the outcomes because it helps the person with diabetes. How do you share the value in your system or how do you share the value of diabetes care and education specialist in team-based care? You know, to start with, to really look at the needs of the individual because it's a holistic approach. So seeing within the particular local health system the particular primary care practice that's present, looking at the individual needs of that practice or that system and making sure that you're seeing where are the needs that aren't being met. So maybe it's psychosocial, maybe it's behavioral types of needs, maybe it's uh, cardiometabolic, maybe it's you know patients not having access to medications. And as a diabetes care and education specialist, communicating how you as a member of the team can help meet that need for the team and contribute to the overall outcomes, care, and experience for that person with diabetes. And being able to talk about, okay, the diabetes care and education specialist can really address care gaps, the quality measures, success metrics that the system needs to achieve, but there's nobody currently on the team to really address those. One example is in prior practice that I was in, the diabetes care and education specialist worked with the quality team on addressing folks who weren't getting dilated eye exams or annual eye exams for their diabetes. And so the diabetes care and education specialist was to say, you know, hey, I can help with this. So they teamed up with the care managers to really tackle getting the percentage of folks who are getting that annual eye exam, getting that information into the chart, making sure that folks were getting their A1Cs. Also, in that particular clinic, there was a real struggle with some patients or people with diabetes who their A1C was above nine. And how do we address that? Because we know each person is unique. So the diabetes care and education specialist worked alongside the care managers in working one-on-one with those patients um, and following up with them between visits to make sure okay, here's the plan, but how are we doing on that plan? Does that plan need to be adjusted? So I think I heard something pretty powerful here. When a diabetes care and education specialist is working within a team and has access to the multiple expertise on the team, 
sometimes you can find maybe there's a gap in care or some place where we could be serving people with diabetes, you know, a little bit better. And as a team, you can identify those. But maybe it's not just with that person. It can be system-wide. And maybe because you're working with a team, you can identify patterns and those patterns can be system-wide? Yes, very much. Fantastic. So instead of just working with one person and changing one person's life, we could be actually having a huge impact on many people's lives and also increasing the outcomes across the system, which would be incredible. Yes. And also within the community. So you think about the health system being within that community, or if it's a smaller community, maybe it's you know, a local hospital, sort of a group of primary care offices, but they're also meeting community needs. And so tapping into how can the diabetes care and education specialist meet community needs? So tapping into the larger ecosystem beyond just the actual health system, but community needs that are present. This conversation is so fun to me because it's just so in line with all the work we're doing right now on population health and in Project Vision with the Quadruple Aim. It's really fantastic to hear how all of these pieces sort of mesh together. So, Mandy, can I ask, you know, what could I do as a diabetes care and education specialist if teamwork is missing from our practice? I would start with finding a physician champion. Because they oftentimes have the voice of the folks that are in the C-suite or the executive suite. They will typically listen to the physicians. They have that power of persuasion with their fellow physicians. They can convince their colleagues of the value of the diabetes care and education specialist. And oftentimes, it may take a little bit of time, a little bit of digging to find that physician champion, but they are able to communicate This diabetes care and education specialist made a huge difference. I think that there's one physician that stands out in my mind, my mentor, uh, one of my mentors, Cheryl Williams, her physician champion was Dr. Marler. And Dr. Marler really understood the value of the diabetes care and education specialist. He communicated that to other physicians, and he was able to really make a difference in Cheryl's practice in her role on the team at the clinic. And so it's just amazing to continue to see that locally where I live. But also another avenue to take is if you're in a community with a larger health system, get engaged with the Quality Improvement Committee. That committee will drive a lot of decisions because they're looking at outcomes, they're looking at care gaps, they are developing plans on who's going to be on the team to meet these needs that we've got to meet. So if you don't get invited to those meetings, ask, when is the next meeting? Contact the chair of the quality committee, have a meeting with them, find out what their needs are and how you can help that particular need. Another way is identifying a community need, finding collaborators to help address those needs. I had the opportunity for over 10 years to work with my local health department in providing diabetes services to Latina women with gestational diabetes who were receiving OB care through the local health department. So I served as their diabetes care and education specialist. 
and the obstetricians were particularly grateful, as were the public health officials, that this vulnerable population were receiving the care that they needed. So we decreased the number of NICU admissions. We had more satisfied women in the community with the care that they were receiving for their diabetes during pregnancy. Listening to you tell these stories and talk about the role of the diabetes care and education specialist in the health system just reminds me, as I've heard over and over again for you know, the past several months as we've been doing these podcasts, is that the diabetes care and education specialist is a leader and they need to be leaders. A diabetes care and education specialist is a subject matter expert, but they're a subject matter expert that actually understands how the whole system works. And we're taking the first steps in this arena. And I think sometimes it's scary to be in that role, but it seems, especially the stories that you've been telling, that it's a necessity for this profession. What do you think about that? Am I jumping too far? No, you're not jumping too far. I think of two people locally, I'd mentioned one already, Cheryl Williams, and she became a diabetes care and education specialist back, I believe, in the early 80s and was a pioneer within the local health system and working with persons with diabetes who are on insulin pump therapy. She was hired into a local primary care office and basically did education and management services for many years, seeing the patients, the physicians would refer patients to her that had diabetes for medication, education, for support for those patients. I think of Hannah Day, who previously served in the role as the manager for the diabetes care and education services in the local health system, both inpatient and outpatient, and the phenomenal job that she did in communicating the value of the educator growing the number of diabetes care and education specialists who were working with the sugar or the diabetes committee within the hospital, getting two diabetes care and education specialists out within the primary care network. Phenomenal work that both Hannah and Cheryl did as leaders in showing their value and being trailblazers, not worrying about the risk, but stepping out in faith and doing it. And They've definitely had their trials, they've had bumps, but ultimately they've been successful and are recognized leaders within the health system. I love those stories. And what I love too is that you said, I heard the word communication in there. So they were and are leaders, and yet they were also able to communicate the work that they did so that their work could then be replicated. Can I ask, Mandy, as we're getting closer to the end of our time, um, and I've loved this conversation so far, thinking about resources that you could provide, resources that would allow listeners to think about how they could implement some team-based care into their practice? Yeah. You know, one barrier or challenge that oftentimes comes up are financial barriers and seems to sort of be the largest hindrance to creating team-based care. That's actually if the system's looking at a short-term view on outcomes. But taking a long-term look at outcomes, that's where we start to see care gaps close, improved outcomes, and the team serve more needs. So identifying if your primary role within the health system is as a nurse, a dietitian, a physical therapist, a behavioral health specialist, a pharmacist, look for opportunities where you can meet 
unique needs for patients with diabetes and become that diabetes care and education specialist for the team. You may have your primary role, but you can grow from that and become a diabetes care and education specialist for the team. I love that you started with financial barriers because, you know, as we've talked about in the past, there's these short-term and long-term outcomes and diabetes, the financial barriers of diabetes definitely have huge positive outcomes in the long term. But I think even though we as clinicians and care providers, people think about the long-term health outcomes, when we think about financial outcomes, I think health systems always look at the short term. So somehow it's melding those together. And that's where those leadership qualities of diabetes care and education specialists come in. So we're just almost at the end here, Mandy, and I've absolutely loved our talk. Do you have any final thoughts you want to leave with? Just a couple in particular. If you're hearing this podcast, don't just fixate on, well, this is just where I'm at. It's never going to change. Really realize you can be the change agent. Cheryl and Hannah were change agents. Second, get in touch with the Quality Improvement Committee the chair of that committee, show up at the meeting. I always remember Kelly Rodriguez uh, saying, don't worry if you don't get invited. You find out when the meeting is and you show up and you let your voice be heard. Third, identify resources within the health system or the community that are related to diabetes, cardiometabolic, that you can help address and go for it. Well, Mandy, I totally appreciate your time. You are a change agent yourself, and I know that you have created a difference for all the listeners out there. So thank you so much. And I know I'm going to see you at several times over the next year. So I look forward to seeing you again soon sometime. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. We appreciate you. Thanks, Mandy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. I hope Mandy's insights have helped you see how diabetes care and education specialists fit into a team-based care model that drives meaningful results for people with diabetes. Answer the call to use this approach in your practice by finding a physician champion to maximize your value. Get involved with the Quality Improvement Committee or identify a community need and collaborators to help you meet that need. To access other resources and notes from today's discussion, visit diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.